Hey guys, we got a big old mega podcast going on here for you. We've got uh, Adam and Maddie, maybe Sawyer from the Sidelines crew. We've got Mr. Brent and his big orange blazer. We've got Down and Dirty getting down and dirty up there. Um, we've got Low Rain and we've got Leland. Some ball Twitter exploits. So what's up, guys? Let's talk some ball. How are we good. feeling? I feel good. My chili is burning. It's getting, <laughs> Mine is it's getting blazing. There. It's getting there. Blazing. Five days, 23 hours till kickoff. Who's going to be there? Who's going to be in Neyland Stadium? I'll be there. I have tickets yeah. for the I'll be there. So is everyone going to join me on top of G10? Obviously. Okay, let's go. Fuck yeah, I'm down. I love drinking. <laughs> How are we feeling about the stadium upgrades? Big fan. I love the lights personally. I don't know why anyone has said negative things about them. I think it's a really good thing. And as you've seen what's happened with Bama and Georgia putting them in, their fans really get into it. And we have the best fan base in the country. So I feel like that will just even make it explode more. And I think it'll be good for recruits too, because they like to see this kind of new deal going on. I think, uh, I think it's all about the show, and, I mean, our whole fan base is just wild anyways, so it all just fits the bill to me, and I don't see why anyone would complain about it either. Like, what's the problem with some lights? I think I get, like, the initial shock of it. Like, it's like, we can put all, you know, it's just money, 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 no winning. But, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we've all been there. We're all giving our money. We complain about giving our money and not seeing any winning. We might as well get some some fun out of it, right? 100%. I was at the uh, Powell-Anderson County game last week, and uh, Powell, they had a mini version of the light show, and uh, I thought it was actually pretty cool. Uh, I'm going to play devil, devil's advocate just a little bit. But uh, so um, – the whole remember the whole Butch Jones thing. He always wanted to do something gimmicky and all that. What do y'all think about that? What do you think about the gimmicks before winning? Let's let's win first. I think. Uh, what, what do y'all? Oh, I'm sorry, but I think one of the most like biggest problems when crew was here is that we were losing, but we were also hating our lives. Like you could tell the players did not have play as much passion as they did when Butch was here. And me personally, I think Heupel has a job of revamping the whole culture that he took over at Tennessee because it was a bad culture. I mean, we were caught cheating. Uh, our offense didn't do anything. We literally hated our starting quarterback, and he still started for three years. So I think it comes from a point that Heifel's trying to do literally the opposite of everything Pruitt did, and he's trying to set in his own culture. So that's – I like the move personally. I agree. I agree 100%. I feel like – I mean, y'all saw whenever Butch left how bad the culture was, and then Pruitt took over, and everyone was like, oh, yeah, he's a great guy, hard-nosed coach, going to build a culture. But then you've heard players talking to the media after he left, and they were saying things along the lines of, we had no discipline. We had certain guys just sitting out going through the motions and then would show up and start on Saturday. And that's not fair. And I feel like with Michael coming in, he's known to have, like, just really good team advocacy and just an overall good group of guys. 
And hearing the players talk about how much he's really changed things in just a short amount of time, it's awesome. And I'm 100% here for it. I think it was a great hire. Fully. I also just want to comment. I kind of want to add to that about what Maddie was with. He had to take over a lot. And I can personally just tell by the way the players are even interviewing how more how much more excited they are to play for him um and I think that's important win or lose they're gonna win and lose as a team and for several years now I feel like they've just been super divided um so I think it'll be fun to watch and fun to attend the games I mean when you look at it the name of Tennessee is going to sell we've seen what recruits have 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 come to us even in the pits of you know we won't even go there in, in times that we've we've had um as Vol fans but you know I think we we do have to be careful with gimmicks you have to make sure you're winning but at the same time um you know it's it's been months since Heupel's been hired um you you have to make wins off the field. And I know that may, you know, kind of sound, I'm not pulling a champions of life kind of thing with Butch, but um, you have to make sure that you're making connections with players. And, and I think one of the first things that Heupel said was we've got to change this into a family. We've seen interviews with players. We've seen them talk about how, you know, they feel that they can have fun. Um, I don't remember who it was. Somebody may remember uh, in an interview, one of the guys said that they were, they felt like they were, um, not afraid to do wrong, but encouraged to do better. And, and I think that I think that says something when you're in practice. You know, you want to do the best that you can do. And I think under Pruitt, sometimes they felt like it was more just screaming and no teaching. You know, Pruitt was, "Hey, what are you doing? Why are you doing this?" Um, but some of the players have commented and said there was that was it. And they said they get that from Hypel, but Hypel staff, especially Rodney Garner, um, read something in one of the practices where he was, you know, correcting a form. He was screaming. He was lighting into somebody, telling them they they need to do better. Um, they need them to be better. And then instead of just going off and leaving them, there was a moment of, hey, come here. Let me show you what you're doing wrong. And I think that goes a long way with player connection and with the lights and stuff. I mean we got to remember these are kids. They're looking to come here. They're 17, 18 year old kids looking to come to college here. I mean, who are we to blame or, or, you know, for lights, if, if, if the kids want that, I mean, if, if that gets them to want to, you know, Hey, I'm going to watch a Tennessee game. Hey, I'm going to go visit, you know, I mean, we have to realize it's, it's a fan experience and a recruit experience and, and whether the wins or losses, you know, whatever happens in that, you know, in that realm, Heupel and, and I think Danny White are doing all they can do right now. Now we just got to wait till Thursday and see how we look as a team. Let me build there. on this saying that they are 17 and 18 year old kids. I tweeted about this the other day. Y'all see it too from our fan base. I love our fan base. Please, again, do not bash a 17 year old kid because they do not choose UT or they are taking a long time with their recruitment. Please stop doing that. It discourages other people from coming here. And recruits actually read what we say. I'll be, I'll jump in on that and say that in the past I have talked shit about some players, but I never tagged them in it. I never tagged them. <laughs> yes, so, that's key. 
Do not tag them. <laughs> oh, I probably have 20 tweets where I tag JG just just for one game. <laughs> well, he I mean, doesn't count. He deserves yeah, it. Yeah, that guy was off. I mean, I remember the Tennessee-BYU game. I was in attendance, and I, I was walking out, and this guy was like, do you think we're going to make a bowl? And I said, not with Garantano as our quarterback, man. And then literally Garantano's dad is walking right next to me. And I'm drunk. So I look at, the, I look at his dad and I say, your son sucks at football. And I've never seen a man's facial expression so like, like he was just like shocked that I said it. But I mean, God, I. When, when, on when, when Hopple was hired, I mentioned to, to some buddies that um, if he can, you always have a chance if you can develop a quarterback. Pruitt, the Pruitt ball, boring. I always compared it to Conzo ball. Um, it was boring. It was bland. There was no excitement. He could not develop a quarterback. I feel like if Hopple can develop somebody, anybody, I don't care if it's any one of these three or four we have, and and like, like remember Dooley's last year we went uh, five and seven. We scored like 40 points a game. That was the that was the most fun five and seven year I've ever like if 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 Hopple can do something like that, if he can score 35 points a game and steal one or two, and we can sneak up on a six and six or a seven and five, that's gonna springboard maybe into 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 year two, year three. But but Pruitt, that was just boring. That was just boring ball. Nothing was exciting about that. I think that's the Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I think that's the best comparison for the uh, light upgrade in Neyland Stadium. It's kind of like when Derek Dooley was here and we had all this explosive offense but no defense. It's like, you know, even if we don't win, at least we'll have some fireworks, right? <laughs> under yeah. under under Pruitt, you had you didn't have the wins or the fireworks, so at least now we'll have some fireworks. The only thing I want to see from Heupel in year one is improvement. Like I understand. You play in the SEC. We're going to have to play at Florida, at Alabama. Georgia's going to probably kick our ass on homecoming. But just – I don't want to see the same mistakes happening against Florida that we make against Alabama because eventually at some point we're going to have the talent to beat those teams. And I don't want – because in 2015, we should have beaten Alabama at Alabama. We had no business losing that game. Our defense played as good as they've ever played a game. And I, I feel that the game was lost on coaching alone. I feel that we had better talent, especially at the quarterback position. I mean, there's not a person that can tell me that Dobbs was not better than Cooper Bateman. I don't give a shit what your last name is. Like, you're not – he's not better. So, I feel from that point of view that Hypel has to at least make it look like we're getting better and have fun. So, I would be uh, – spring- Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, I know that the spring game is just a show for fans and everything, but what I saw in the spring game, it looked like a completely different team. Just offensively, defensively, everything. They looked happy to be out there. They looked like they truly wanted to be clad in orange. And I haven't seen that from a team since Josh Dobbs was here, quite honestly. I haven't seen that passion from any player. Do you guys remember the uh, 2019 South Carolina game? How can you forget? I was in those stands, and I did not know who our starting quarterback was literally leading up to kickoff. Like, the announcer that announced the starting lineups told me who the starting quarterback was because Maurer was hurt. JG was coming off arguably one of his worst plays as a Tennessee ball, the Alabama fumble at the one. Oh. 
And JT Stroud, we knew, was not who we wanted to play quarterback. So literally going into that game, I had no idea who was going to be our starting quarterback. And I looked at my friend, and I was like, dude, Pruitt's not going to be here for another two years. I'm going to tell you that right now. He's like, no, Pruitt's figuring it out. We're on a win streak. I was like, no, he's not going to be here. And lo and behold, he goes three and seven and then fails to cheat. And now here we are. That that game, um, he didn't have – Pruitt didn't have many exciting games. But that game overall, that's 2019 South Carolina game, um, it – it was it was pretty fun to be. I don't know if y'all went and were in the stadium. Yeah, but like I, was, I think I think Callaway had a, a punt return. Jawan Jennings had a, a pretty badass. Um, he got knocked out basically in the back of the end zone for he caught a touchdown. He, uh, he got killed by the safety, and yep. uh, that was one of the was one of the very few uh, Pruitt Pruitt games that was actually cool. And they had to play three quarterbacks. Juwan had that touchdown where he just refused to go down. He struck yes. off like three yeah. guys too. Yes. Yeah. yes, yes, I remember that. He yeah. didn't have many of them, but Pruitt, that was that was probably one or two that, that Pruitt had a good one. I think that was the loudest I heard Neyland Stadium during the Pruitt era. It was, yeah. it was it was loud that night. I remember one the BYU game, we were pretty loud, but yeah, it was, that was a fun one. That was a lot of what happened. It was fun. <laughs> That's the thing that really pisses me off when people say Tennessee football has a bad fan base. We literally just got our asses handed to us by Georgia State, a team we should have blew up by 40. And we still had, I think the total was like 98,000 fans in Neyland for the, literally the next week. And, like, that to me is why I cannot stand when, like, people on Twitter are just, like, at me and they're like, yeah, Tennessee has the worst fan base. Like, we may have the most obnoxious fan base. I'll take that title all day long. Hey, I really yeah. like it because you're passionate. I can't stand when – someone's half-assed into something we like complain and bitch but then we party hard and we still go and so we're probably by far the most passionate in my opinion and I would rather be called obnoxious and be passionate than just lackluster and just like stale oh 100% we could be 0-11 going into the Vanderbilt game this year and I would still waste my fucking money and go watch this I already bought season tickets so I'm I'm going I've said a thousand times that if Tennessee played on the moon, Tennessee, uh, Tennessee fans would show up. Uh, I mean, look look where we've played in the last 10 years. We've played at Bristol. We've played at Florida. We've played uh, played in two bowls in Florida. We've played in Nashville. We've played in Charlotte. Um, and it's all sea of orange. The opposing team has no chance when it comes to tickets. It's, it's, there's no comparison. None at all. And I think, you know, people always joke. They're always like, you know, if Tennessee gets back, watch out. And I mean, you know, we saw it with baseball this year. I mean, you know, I'm I'm a huge baseball fan. I've not kept up with college baseball as much as I have in you know the past decade until the last two years. But I mean, look at that super regional. Look at, I mean, it was everywhere. People were talking about it. Um, I mean, it was on a national stage, and and it was. I mean, I, I was on the phone. I was I was calling that number, trying to get tickets. I was trying to get that weekend pass, um, you know, sold out in seconds, minutes, or whatever. And and then our, you know, they open it up to, and, and put a screen, and we we still have hundreds, if not thousands, of fans out there. I mean, um, you know, I think like like Leland said earlier, with the you know with with Hypel, we've got to create some kind of excitement, and I think. You know, I think Thursday night's game could go a long way with that. Um, you know, but I think 
for me, and I know we're probably going to get into the schedule and talk about this season. I think Pitt is a huge game. I think that's a momentum shifter to be able to go three and O possibly. And I, and I, since Georgia state, I, I don't want to, you know, put the, you know, put the horse before the wagon, but, um, or the wagon before the horse, whatever we want to say, but, um, you know, we if we can create some kind of excitement, if, if we can have fun in these games, if we can, um, you know, get out there and show an offense that was not a, I mean, for me, Pruitt's offense looked like a high school offense. I mean, it, it was very simple. Um, there was nothing about it. Um, and as Maddie said, with the spring game, I mean, I, I know it's a show, but I mean, it, it was a start. It was, it was nice to be able to see players get to the line and hustle, you know, try to, you know, keep the, you know, keep the offense moving. Um, and, and we saw, we saw the ball over the field. I mean, yes, we saw deep passes. We saw these 50, 60, 65 yard passes, but we also saw, you know, it wasn't run up the gut run. I mean, it was, it was a little bit of everything. It was different personnel. They were ready to come in. And, and I was sick and tired of seeing, you know, illegal. I'm, I mean, I just want to see us play exciting football, but I also want to see us play clean football. I mean, I'm sick and tired of seeing players on the sidelines not knowing when they're supposed to go in or four guys running on the field and coaches having to pull them back. And yeah, they're they're kids and they're players, but same time you've got to you've got to have a coaching staff that, you know, is able to communicate this to players and I just feel like it was just such a an army. It was the players weren't having fun. The coaches looked like all they wanted to do was yell and it, it just looked like a high school football team to me at times. And, and so it was nice to see the summer game. It, it, if we can come out and, you know, do something like that, I, I think it'll be huge and the fan base is going to be behind it. It's going to lead to more recruits. You take the brand of Tennessee sports and you, you pair that with, with this fan base. And I mean, six and six could go a long way this year. Like it was said earlier to, to propel us and, and, you know, I'm, I'm here for it. You also got to think that in the spring game, we had a solid amount of players that are still on the roster and everything, but we've had even like some very important transfers come in after that game that we haven't even seen play against our own defense, our own offense. I Personally, I'm very excited to see Jamal Mitchell. I think he's going to be great for us. And Joe Milton, I feel like he's going to lead us somewhere. I mean – He's been a starter at a Power 5 level before, and maybe he didn't fare that well at Michigan, but what quarterback under Harbaugh has? He played hurt most of the time at Michigan. I was looking up some of his stats. He, um, Let me look that up real quick. He was um, – he played like – he played against – I can't remember if it was three or four ranked teams. I know it's the Big Ten, so – so whatever you want to say about that. But uh, he played against uh, three or four ranked teams, and he had like 300 yards passing in just about every single game. And I was expecting actual worse stats because you don't give up a guy who is throwing all over like Penn State, Michigan State, and uh, I forget who else they played. But um, Minnesota. Why, why, I wonder what was the story. Anybody know the story behind him, why he leave or, or, or anything like that? It well, I mean, we've had so many culture issues with our program. Maybe he just didn't fit well within that team. It could have been an. I'm he's not. He's not the only Michigan transfer we have on our current roster either. So yeah. I feel like there's something that was going on there. Maybe. If you go back 
if you go back and you watch the highlights of the Michigan, Michigan State team, which if you talk to any Michigan fan will tell you that was like their worst loss last year. Like that's the one team they didn't want to lose to. Go back, look it up on YouTube, watch the highlights from that game. Even the announcers are saying Joe Milton is putting the ball where it needs to be every time. Any any non-catch in that game was a draw. Hmm. So I, I got to see I got his stats right here, so it was only two games. So, uh, Indiana, which was pretty good last year, he threw for 344, uh, QBR 69, nice. Uh, Michigan State, uh, 300. Um, nice. He, uh, <laughs> he, now, it's a couple games, well, he, he threw four passes in Penn State. Uh, in the Rutgers game, he had 89 yards. He only had 12 pass attempts, so they must have done some switching out with him. What was the but, Michigan, uh, What was the Michigan State stat line? That's uh, he had 51 attempts for 300 yards, 62 percent completion percentage. Yeah. Um, if, if you go so, back I mean, and watch that highlights, even the announcers are saying Michigan lost that game due to drop passes, not not aired throws. I, I'll tell I, you I what. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I watched him in the Minnesota game, I think was, was his first star or first, you know, big opportunity. And, um, you know, one thing I saw was definitely the arm strength and, and, um, you know, placing, as we said, placing the ball where it was, um, it, it wasn't as much arm strength of just, I think some guys, we, we talk about their arm strength and they can, you know, Going going back to Napoleon Dynamite, you know, throwing the ball over the mountains, you know, they can just chuck it as far as you need him to go. But I think, you know, we've we've heard it from some of the players. Um, you know, uh, you know, one of one of the wide receivers said that, you know, all the quarterbacks, I trust them, but when Joe throws, it's different. And I mean, it, it's just like a cannon and it's there um getting through coverage. Um, but watching that Minnesota game, I mean, placing the ball where he needed to, there was one where he 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 dropped back in the in the pocket. Uh, both both edge rushers came around. I mean, they just really beat the 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 tackles from Michigan. He stepped up in the pocket, just a beautiful step up. And I think as ball fans, you know, I'm not going to get into it with previous quarterback play, but I think we probably can appreciate a quarterback that can step up in the pocket and move instead of just continuing to back up and, you know, throw off the back leg or whatever. But he stepped up, came out to the left, and just on the run. Through it, I mean, it was, it was just beautiful, and it was plays like that. Like even if he wasn't getting big gains, he wasn't making horrible decisions. And I think that's the thing that stuck out to me. Instead of trying to force something, instead of trying to you know run backwards, he would make a two yard, a three yard gain. That doesn't seem like much, but second and seven, second and eight is much better than second and seventeen. And uh, I know we had a thumb issue last year. Um, I know that that derailed him a little bit in the in the past. And uh, I don't know as far as the reasoning. I know we, we talked about culture, but I do know he said in an interview that um, COVID kind of changed his mind on some things. Um, he was recruited by Hypel, but didn't feel like it was the right fit. Um, and now he said he was glad to be back with with Hypel and work with him because he had a really good relationship. Um, so it may not be as much the Michigan as you know issues or them saying, "Well, you need to leave." as much as it might've been, you know, the COVID, the thumb injury, you know, the hypo connection, the opportunity looking, saying, okay, Garantano's transferring, 
you know, we've got quarterbacks with not a lot of experience, you know, maybe I can come there. Heifel can help me develop and, and get me, you know, to the next level or, you know, help me out. Um, but he, he definitely has mentioned the Heifel connection a lot. So that may have something to do with him, him leaving Michigan. I'm going to build off of that real quick. Um, the one thing that I'm asking from him is I, I cannot watch another quarterback like JG drop back and see people coming at him on the ends and just sit there and take a sack, please throw it away. I don't, I don't care. I would rather you throw it out of bounds and have to reset on the next down than take a 15 yard sack because you thought that trying to outrun and outshift a big fat defensive lineman from Alabama is a good idea. It's not, you're not going to outrun them. Following up on that, this Milton guy has a hell of an arm. And if he's going to throw it downfield and if he gets an interception, I'd rather it be like way down on the other end at the 10 than at the 50, which is what we've dealt with for years. Yes, I'm sick of seeing screen passes get floated out there and get picked off. It's ridiculous and it's inexcusable. Yeah. Do do y'all remember how demoralizing it was when it would be third and eight and JG would check it down in the flats? Like it, oh, you know, like, like, back to those days. Uh, <laughs> like oh you had God. all this momentum and you you had maybe a nice drive going and it was just like okay third and eight we're gonna pick this first down you got three wide receivers that's gonna play at the next level and his reads were just automatically like to the flats every time and it, it just my, I didn't go to the BYU game but someone told me that there was a oh play where he did that and the whole crowd was just like ugh so and it just <laughs> It just uh, takes the sell out. The BYU game, we were – I think it was 13 to 10. We were up. It was before BYU had just drove. And Jawan and Callaway were on the left side. They were in twins. Yes, and then yes. Palmer – yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Palmer yeah, I was there. The right. And Jawan was literally open for like 30 seconds. Sitting there going like this. Going like this, waving, like, please throw me the ball. And he throws it like a minute late. Like, it's not a little late. He throws it a minute late when – Jawan's waving his arms and Callaway now is open because Jawan's the best receiver we had. So he acquires all this attention and he throws it to Jennings, who was triple covered in the end zone. And Jennings still almost makes the catch. But all I all we should see as ball fans with Milton is just don't do stupid shit. Like we're so fine if Alabama's DBs are faster than our receivers. They pick you off. Like, cool. Like, you try. Like, it was a smart play. It was a 50-50 ball. And, and then just the unfortunate side of the 50, you got it. But throwing in the triple coverage when you should have threw the ball 30 seconds earlier is the most frustrating thing as a fan. Yeah, and if you're a, a fifth-year quarterback, why are you still doing that? You would think that there would be improvement every single year. Whenever we had JG, it was, oh, he's turned the corner for real this time. He went to Manning Passing Academy. He trained with this guy on the beach in the offseason. How, how do you just not get better? How do you progressively get worse? I don't want to blame all of JG's uh, lack of success on him. I do think Pruitt's mantra of, I feel like Pruitt was trying to play how Fulmer coached. And it's not the 90s anymore. You can't run the ball up the middle 50 times and pound your way into the end zone for 50 points in this game anymore. You just can't. You have to throw it. You have to air it out. You have to switch it up. Because it honestly reminded me of Butch Jones' offense in the fourth quarter when we were up by 21. Run, 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 punt. Like, that's exactly what we did. 
or a check down or something that just didn't have any risk. And I want to take risks like because we're what do we have to lose? We're expected to go four and eight to some people. Go sling it 50 times with Joe. Who cares? Because at this point, like uh, Bandit said, we're going to either suck, but we're going to have fun. Like we're going to suck and have fun or we're going to be good and have fun. And with Pruitt, it was just – it was a shit show, plain and simple. I think, I think Pruitt – as oh, go ahead. I, I think them, I think they wanted – I think the coaches were pretty um, – at least from my observation, were pretty dead set on, like, running this specific type of offense, and they did not look at what they had. They just said, we're going to run this because we want to run this. And they didn't look at the capabilities of the offense that they had – I felt like they spent too much time trying to force it upon Garantano instead of just being like, all right, look, he can't handle this. Let's figure, let's move around and try something else. Um, so I want, I don't want to throw it all on Garantano, I guess. I, I mean, I think they could have done better and moved sooner, in my opinion. I mean, don't get me wrong. JG made some boneheaded plays. Like, JG I- did some shit that I would just be like yeah. – I'm not trying to defend him. I'm just saying I think they got they made it very complicated and they didn't look at what they had. I mean too. our defense sucked too, and Pruitt was supposed to be defensive god. So yeah. where's the explanation for that? That's one yeah. thing that really bugs the shit out of me is when our, our fans that are still Pruitt pumpers to this day are like, Well, oh my god, I was about to say his name. Actually, bro, you are such a bad That's yeah. Pruitt's burner account, by the way. It, is. it has to be. <laughs> he, he, he actually chatted me. He te- sent me a text and he said, look, man, our defense is going to suck. Pruitt's not here to fix it. I said, did, did, did you watch last year? A&M scored 50. Bama scored 50. We damn near gave up 50 to Florida. I mean, Florida had a bad game and still scored 30 on Pruitt's amazing defense. So, did you – like – and then he's talking about the transfers. You cannot lose that much from a team that went three and seven. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, if he was that good, we would have not went three and seven. I hate to tell you that, but that's – I hate – In the bowling – in the bowling it. green game, in the bowling green game, if we properly defend a slant, I will go – I will go on Twitter and, and I will hashtag national champions. Not really, but I mean, like, it, it was simple things like that. I mean, it, it – I mean, how many times we had to watch, and I mean, and, and the freshmen were getting, you know, I think it was, you know, Danico Slaughter was in there and, and just like, it was like three plays in a row or something, could not defend the slant. And everybody was just, you know, take him out and all this stuff. And I'm like, it's it's not just him. I mean, I, it, it pains Henry me to T. say this, but the, the heart and soul of our defense, Henry T last year, could not defend. I mean, this is a guy who – may very well go to Alabama and start or have a lot of success and and things. Um, and, and I mean, so like Adam was saying, um, if we are able to cover a slant against Bowling Green, that would that would be awesome. Right. Like that would be a big improvement because that's something we couldn't <laughs> do at all last year. So week one, you got Bowling Green, uh, you know, quarterback maybe in question. I don't think so. It's Joe Milton. Right. Everybody. Joe Milton. Oh, yeah. Yep. yep. Um, so I think something big for that game. Uh, I th- I think we'll take more away from that game uh, defensively than offensively. I think 
you know, everybody expects us to have a good offensive output that game. You know, I would be surprised if we didn't if we if we came away with like 20 points from that game. That would that would be wild, right? Um, so I think we'll be able to take away something more defensively. Uh, you know, we'll be, if if we hold them to 20 or less, you know, if if they score 30, obviously that's a red flag. Um, because Bowling Green's been the worst team in the country the last two years. They actually haven't won a game in almost two years. Um, so what, what would be like, a like a major red flag for you guys week one? Well, for for me, me, I think the biggest thing week one is that our offense is just as boring as it was last year. I think if you're looking at it from an execution standpoint, Heupel is obviously an offensive minded coach. So he does not have his full system in place in one fall camp. It's just not going to happen. These two He's too smart with it. The trick plays he wants to implement aren't going to be there. But I think as far as a lot of people are talking about the way we're going to throw the ball, I'm excited to see how our three backs do. I think we have a three-headed monster with uh, Evan, Small, and Wright. But a red flag, I guess, would be definitely that the offense looks the same or even worse. I The biggest red flag for me would be – turnovers on a team that should be just we should absolutely demolish them take care of the ball if we start out with early horrible mistakes I'm already going to be disappointed even if we blow them out if we can't take care of the ball and like we're fumbling when we're running or if we're you know dropping passes that are right on I that's a red flag for me Mine is how our linebackers do. Um, That was our weakest group, arguably, last year. And I feel like our linebackers really need to show, not just me, but our fan base in general, that they, A, can cover the middle, and B, that they can actually defend and be ball hawks and know, like, actually know what, what is coming their way. Because I'm sick and tired of sitting there and seeing linebackers just standing there looking around at each other, not knowing what to do. I got a I got an interesting stat for you for you betters. Um, so when Tennessee is a double digit favorite, they haven't covered since 2015. So I think the point spread is what 33 and a half, 34. It's so I'm looking 34. at yeah. 34. Um, so I'm looking at Bowling Green's schedule last year. Okay. So Toledo, they got beat 38 to three. Okay. Uh, Ohio 52 to 10. After seeing this, I was going to throw a couple dollars on Bowling Green, but to cover, but I don't know about this, but if they, if they let, like somebody mentioned just a second ago, turnovers, let Bowling Green hang around. Um, I, I want to see a bloodbath. I want to see 59 to three. I want to see Bowling Green go home crying because they got spanked. Tennessee needs this after last year. Tennessee absolutely needs this. Um, But I'm looking at some of these scores. Kent State put 62 on them last year. Um, We need, we need to, we need a butt whooping. We we really need to shell out a butt whooping. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Uh, what, what do you got? One last thing, then we're moving to week two. Okay. Uh, one, I was going to agree with Leland. Uh, I don't know if y'all saw the tweet, but I tweeted something out like, 
if we throw a touchdown pass in the first play, I'll set myself on fire. That's not a joke. I've not seen a long touchdown pass in this offense since Dobbs. Like, I, I feel like it's been that long. And if we score it on a big play that quick, I will run out of Newton Stadium and light myself on fire. Like, that is no bullshit. So, look for that on the front page of the Daily Times. <laughs> All right. Week two, big game. Got Pitt. It's a noon game. That's a drag. Should be a night game. Ain't going to complain about it too much. The Johnny's Majors Classic should be played at night. But you got Pitt coming to town. Um, it's the first big game under Heifel. Could be a gauge for the rest of the season. Pitt went 6-5 and five last season. They had no problem putting up uh, – points against teams in the ACC that are okay, but they kind of flopped against bigger opponents. Kenny Pickett's their senior wide receiver, or senior quarterback. He's got a huge arm. I think he'll be a challenge for our secondary, which thankfully we brought in, you know, a couple transfers there. Um, ESPN has that game at 51.9% Tennessee. Um, I don't know. That's, that's right on the toss-up line, obviously. What I, do you disagree with, I disagree with that line so much. I think, okay, I know I'm drunk, so don't think that – I've had this thought sober, okay? I think we blow out Bowling Green week one. I think we take care of Pitt. I think the score is a lot worse than what people – what the game may have went like. I think we scored late. Like, it's like – I think we went about 42-27 around that mark. But – I think we beat Florida this year, but I'm gonna wait for. Oh the, my god! <laughs> I'm gonna wait for the predictions. Here's alcohol. For week four. Just had to ruin it for me. That was my, yes. my that was my bold prediction, but okay. Yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> I knew one person would agree. I don't know if I'm the only one here, but I I am pretty concerned about the pit game. I think they'll do. I think we'll do well in Bowling Green, but they are a good team early. They played pretty solid last year. They lost two games in very close overtimes. Um, yeah, they they could have they could have easily had eight wins last year. Easily eight wins. They're returning their quarterback, and I believe either their top running back or receiver. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, one of the two, I believe. But I'm worried. I. I don't know if we'll have it all together at that time, especially defensively. I think it might just be a shootout offensively, and that is one game that I did give an L for. I I don't know about it. Pro football focus. I, I hope I'm wrong, but that is that is what I put down. Pro football focus, somebody told me that this week, that pro football focus has Pitt's defense in, like, the top ten of the nation. But I went back and looked at it, and they lost, like, six starters on defense to the NFL draft, so I'm not sure how accurate that is. But uh, Pro they, football the, focus also had JG as one of the best transfers <laughs> in America, so you can you cannot trust uh, the word that they say. They are they're automatically an invalid site. For, uh, exactly. Massive L. L's in the chat for pro football focus. But for <laughs> me personally, I, I'm with you. I, I feel like we're going to beat Pitt, and I don't know why everyone thinks it's going to be like a three-point game. I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout, but I feel like we will pull away because I know that we have a coach with a great offensive mind, and I know that 
any of the three quarterbacks we have, they can run this offense. All the guys, receivers have said that they feel comfortable with any of them starting. And if it is an offensive shootout, I am with Coach Hype's team. I feel like they can make it happen. Brent, you got Mm. something here? Well, I think the pit game is the biggest on the season. And uh, I think it goes back to what we do at Bowling Green. And if Coach Hopple goes out there and we take care of business, we get our starters out, then we get the second teamers in. And that way that depth will come in because we'll have to rely on that depth against Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. But pit game's one I'm really looking forward to. And I hope we end with at least 45 points and that number exactly in honor of Coach Majors. Well, uh, you know, we'll also have two extra days rest that they won't. Um, I haven't – I need to look. Who is, who is Pitt's week one opponent? I'm sure it's not somebody that they will need two extra days of rest coming off of, but it's something that we it's will have. Yeah, okay, so, yeah. Yeah, we well, uh, probably don't need the extra rest, but we will have it. Do, do you guys remember maybe during uh, Dooley into Butch, it always seemed like our schedule would set up to where we would play like – a team that was, like, on the rise. Like, we would always get, like – we'd never get Arkansas when they sucked. We'd never get Auburn when they sucked. Even Mississippi State one year, they were ranked in the top 25, and we got them on our schedule. So, this schedule, if you took it and gave it to one of Dobbs' better teams, if you took this schedule and gave it to – I don't think Dooley had really a good, good team ever. Maybe his first year. They're winning eight to ten games. It just so happens we get this good schedule when we're trying to come up. So um, it's just the luck of Tennessee, I guess. Uh, So I'm looking at their schedule from last year. Um, They got killed by Miami. They got killed by Notre Dame. Gun to my head, probably low scoring, 24-21 maybe, Uh, Tennessee by three. And the only reason I got them winning is because they're at home. I have to see – I can't stand these out-of-conference weird weird games like this. Um, I'm glad it's not the Oklahomas of the world or the um, – or or the whoever else we've played that's that's top. Um, but I'm going – I'm going Tennessee probably by three. Johnny Majors Day, maybe maybe they won't wake up with that noon – with that noon kickoff. So, anybody we'll else, see, I guess. Anybody else got any last comments on Pitt before we move forward? All done with Pitt. All right, week three, Tennessee Tech. I think it'll be a close one. Uh, I got what? the I got the Golden Eagles. <laughs> <up at least laughs> what? All right. What? Well, uh, no, no disrespect. I think it's a win. Uh, so let's just go to Florida. I'm yeah, ready to I don't, I don't think that's even worth talking about. I feel like we all know that we're going to beat them by forty plus. Hopefully, we beat them by sixty plus, but. I've seen crazier things happen. So week four, week four, Tennessee, Florida, two high-powered offenses. Uh, Florida didn't look good the last time they saw the field. They went up there against Oklahoma. I think Kyle Trask threw four picks. They they got handed to them. Um, you know, I don't think that's going to be any indicator of what they look like this year, mainly because nobody from that team is is really left on offense. They got some young receivers this year. Um. Florida. I will never, I will never pick a Florida, a Tennessee win over Florida for the rest of my life. If we're on a 25 game win streak, I would never pick 
Tennessee over Florida, especially in, in the swamp. Uh, we've how, how often have we won there? We've won we've there twice, in, maybe. In, yeah. 2001 was the last time we beat them in the swamp. Nice, man. So we beat them twice in like 30 years or something down there, or 40 yeah. years, maybe. I, I'm not ever football, picking them. So I would like to explain why I'm picking Florida for all the, like, this is sober thoughts still. Like, I know I'm I would like that right after you. Okay, that's fine. But the reason I'm picking us to upset Florida, one reason, they play at Alabama the week before they have to welcome us into the swamp. I think we're going to be coming off three big wins at home. Our fans are going to be excited. Our players are finally going to have some heart and be excited to play. And I think Florida is going to come off a 30-point loss to Alabama. I don't think it's close. And I think Emory is going to be a bit banged up. That Alabama defensive line is tough this year. So I see it as a talking point of what – I think Hypel is going to pull something out of his ass and somehow find a way to win the game. That's just how I'm feeling. I'm, it's, it feels like 98, baby. That's how I'm feeling. My feelings towards it is I've seen Emory Jones in certain packages, whether it be goal line packages, wildcat packages over the past couple of years. He's never impressed me, not running the ball, not in the videos that I've seen him throwing the ball. Personally, I don't think he's that good. And I don't get the hype around Florida this year because they don't, they don't have the same people coming back. As you said, they don't they don't have the same special people that they had last year on that team coming back. Not even they close. don't have a Kyle Pitts to just chunk a ball up and go down and catch it. They they have nothing in my eyes. And I mean, hell, at this point, I, I would not doubt Marco Wilson throwing another shoe against us. Like it, it's gonna happen. If and we win off that motherfucker go throwing another shoe, I'm gonna lose my mind. I'm gonna lose I, I would too, but I, I'm also, this is my betting line of the week. Um, Florida's win total is set at nine. I, based on their schedule, I don't think they win nine games. And with Emory Jones having no type of experience, I don't trust him. I, I feel like they might win eight. I feel like they could win eight. It's very doable. But I feel like that's going to be a game that Tennessee wins. Personally, that is my one big bold prediction. I think it'll be close, but I do think that we will come out on top because, as I said earlier tonight, we have a quarterback that will start for us that has played multiple seasons at a Power 5 level in a – I mean, it's the Big Ten, but he also has played against Ohio State, played against solid teams, Penn State, Iowa State's a pretty solid team, year in, year out. Matt Campbell's a great coach. I, I think that Joe Milton has it with him, and, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I think Jalen Hyatt has a huge game there, and I think B-List does very well as well with returns. So, I, I forget about it. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Mr. D.R. Vall himself. Got a late appearance <laughs> over there here. There he is. He has showed up. What's up? Uh, <laughs> late addition to the show. Um so I do like I do like that Florida plays Alabama before us. I do I do think that could maybe be a uh two losses or one loss turned into two. Um you know, that was that was who they played right before they 
lost that game terribly to Oklahoma. You know, they had the they had the seven point loss to Alabama um, in Atlanta, and then went to the Sugar Bowl and got blown out. Um, so I do think that sets up as an advantage for us. And say that I did not realize that they played Alabama before. And when I was picking my line, I didn't have like a true answer because every time we play Florida, I feel like it's a shit show and like everything crazy happens. Um, but I kind of want to switch. I think I'm going to go with the others on this one and take the W in the swamp. Oh my Whoa. gosh, not too Yes, ma'am. Oh, I'm convinced. I'm I'm going ballsy. I'm convinced. Y'all want to put money on it? Ballsy. <laughs> I'll put a thousand on it. So you put a thousand? Uh, yeah, I'll put I'll put a grand on it. I'll so put it's a thousand on it. The requirement that we win. I'll put a, yeah, hey, forget it. I'm in too. <laughs> Why not, rather? Yeah. Wow. Y'all cash me that check. Wow. <laughs> is, is there a right now that's on this uh, this Zoom meeting? What? What? Is everybody high on mushrooms? That <laughs> we, we, all had to, we, all, we all had to pause and decide if we actually were or not. You had a line of cocaine earlier. I saw them. Because somebody's wearing a daddy hat, and that, that's... That would be me. Yeah, that's you. Florida's our daddy. I mean, I've been to enough Florida games. I just... I mean, even if we had the Lord, Jesus Christ himself, they're quarterbacks. And I would pick Florida to beat us. And they're, they're they just they own us, man. I mean, unknown gator has random day is always on my bingo card every single year because it always seems to happen. But I I know I've said this before. Knock on wood. I hope I'm wrong, but this year really does feel different. Like I, I'm truly excited to see our offense, and I feel like it's going to be a high scoring game, just like every game we play this year. It's going to be super high scoring. But like I, I said earlier, I Emory Jones has no experience that's worth anything, and but I don't know. Quick, I, I feel like I feel like Tennessee is going to pull off a shocker. Uh, it'll be uh, a point game if we do. And a quick, a quick question, leg, but I hope we do it. A quick question before we move on to Missouri: Gun to your head today, right now, who are you taking to be your quarterback, Emory Jones or Joe Milton? Joe Milton. Joe. Milton. Joe. Joe. I'll sell the house on Joe Milton. Yeah, I, I got y'all. Y'all, y'all got them orange, got them orange shades on right now. Oh, just, I can go get mine. I've got, I've got another <laughs> ring. <laughs> well, you pick Florida to beat Tennessee, so you do. But I think Emory Jones is JG with better hair, honestly. Exactly. <laughs> At least Emory oh, Jones can run. Well, okay, so Milton can too. Well, look, here's my thing about the Tennessee-Florida game. The schedule Florida has starting out is shit. Having to play Bama in week three is not a good thing to have to do. If we had to play Bama in weeks one through five every year, I would jump off a cliff. The fact of the matter is this. Emory Jones is probably going to come off his worst game of his career. Alabama's going to get to him. They know how he's going to play. He's going to try and run the ball. He, he's never shown us that he can make big, big throws. I, we've never seen it. Our quarterback is going – whoever – we, we all agree it's Joe Milton. Joe's going to be going against Bowling Green, who, where he should have a good game. Pitt, he, I, 
my opinion about Pitt is a high-scoring game, so he's going to have a good game. And then Tennessee Tech, where he probably won't even play in the second half. Hendon Hooker will probably come in and relieve him of his duties. So, so you come into that, the momentum we're going to have, we're all excited. Do you remember the 2013 Georgia game, how close we were in that game? Oh, yeah. All that excitement going into that game is going to be exactly like this Florida game. But except this time, we're not going to have a coach who's going to run the ball for 10 minutes a game. Like, we're not going to run the ball out when we're up. So I think – see, you said we're, we're only going to win by three, Maddie. Hot take, <laughs> I think we win by 10-plus. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's a little too bold for me. <laughs> the thing about Cutting it is, it. I, don't think, it. I think it's a closer game. I think we're up by a field goal, and I think Emory makes a mistake and our defense takes it to the house, and we're up, we win by 10, but it looks like we only win by three. Well, I hope you're right. <laughs> Too much going on here. All right. Week five. Um, got Missouri. Misery. Uh, it was a win last year. I think if we would have played them at the end of the year, it would have been a loss. So just uh, I kind of posed this question to, to Trey Wallace in a, in a pod a couple weeks ago. Just as easily as we can sit here and say that the schedule sets up good for us, um, Florida having to play Alabama the week before us. Um, Missouri is just as excited that we have to go to Gainesville the week before that we play them. I guarantee it. Um, that's another game ESPN has a kind of like a toss up 59, 59% uh, Missouri, 59% Missouri. Um, I've got us, I've got to sit in four and one after this one. I do have us losing to Florida. Picking up the win at Pitt. Um, this is kind of one of those games where you know you can say, okay, Tennessee's going to beat somebody they shouldn't, but you know they're going to lose to somebody they shouldn't. I think Missouri could be that somebody we shouldn't lose to, especially if we're coming out of Gainesville with the wrong mindset. If 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 we're beat down, we're tired, we you know got our asses kicked. I, we need really need to go into this Missouri game with the right mindset. My oh, thing with what you just said is. Say we do come off of a loss to Florida, which, again, I don't think we do. But say we are coming off of that loss, I feel like that team will be so pissed off that they come out and absolutely light up the scoreboard against Mizzou. And if we win against Florida, yeah, it could be a letdown game. But, I I mean, last year we had, seriously, far and away, the worst Tennessee team I've ever seen. I don't know. it was. It's the worst thing I've ever seen. And I personally do not want to ever go through anything like that again. But I feel like, say we do come off a loss, we're going to be pissed and we're going to light up the scoreboard. Say we come off a win, we're going to carry that momentum and we're going to be 5-0. Woo! God. Yeah. 5 sounds great. It does. When, when I broke down the schedule, I've kind of, I've kind of put it in different pairs. So I see Missouri and Kentucky as on the same level. I feel like one was going to be a win and one's going to be a loss. So if I had to pick, I feel like um, I, I feel like ooh Kentucky. Uh, I feel like we'll beat we'll beat Missouri. We'll, we'll beat Missouri. That, that how Columbia Missouri has been a horrors for us a little bit. Um, I think we've only won won there once or twice since they've been in the SEC. Um, I'm going to go with a win though for that one. Anybody cares? The Braves just took the lead against the Giants. No, we're Cards fans in this house. Oh, Amen. Wow. Go Birds, baby. Amen. All right. So 
What's up? Go ahead. Jump on. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we get past Missouri. Whatever happens, happens. Hey, you've got Mr. Lane Kiffin coming to town. Um, no, skipped one. Wait, what? didn't you? South Carolina, unless you just want to skip it. Oh, yeah, there <laughs> is South Carolina. Go ahead and bypass it. Uh, I think that's going to be an ass beating. Yeah, well, no, please, please stop. Do not, do not hold up the W for that one. Uh, <laughs> I wish. I wish. What do you guys think about Shane Beamer? Uh, I made a comment before that I think it was the worst hire in the country. Uh, I got a lot of hate for that. What, what do you guys think about that hire? I mean, they've got a player dancing on TikTok in a South Carolina uniform. Like, that right there should be a win in itself. Here's the thing about South Carolina game. We, and I'm going to agree with Maddie, we had the worst team in Tennessee football history last year, in my opinion. I'm going to agree with you and say that was one of the worst teams I've ever watched play football. That 2017 team is cutting it close, but that this last year was the worst I've ever seen us play. And we still beat South Carolina. So now they have to come home to us, which in my schedule prediction, I have us at 6-0 and when they come home. It's not going to be a close game. We're going to be up by fifty. We're going to be up by fifty at the end of the game. I don't think it's going to be even close. The last time South Carolina came to Neyland Stadium, we handed them a forty-one to twenty-one loss. I think it's about it's about that same score this year. Hell yeah! I do as well. I feel like we're going to be six and zero going into Bama, quite honestly. And I, I obviously I'm not the only one here that feels that way. So I mean, I'm hoping for the best, but. Y'all are making me sick. Wacky weed. Y'all are making me sick with all that (laughs) optimism. All that hope. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. I don't want to be a negative Yeah. I didn't didn't, didn't realize this. I'm about to pull back. I didn't realize this. Go ahead. I didn't realize this on uh, Shane Beamer's Wikipedia page. He was actually a graduate, graduate assistant for former. Back in uh, 01 and 03, I didn't realize that. Well, but this should be this should be an ass beating. No, no joke. It should. They're terrible. They're probably on the level as Van, as Vandy. It, it, it should be a bloodbath. So, could you look at that almost as a bye week going into Ole Miss? <laughs> you think? Uh, uh, you think? I mean, South Carolina has given us some games before when they shouldn't have. I mean, during the Casey Clawson days, they were always in in the game with us. For some weird reason, that was a uh, good to go years, to overtime. A couple of years under Spurrier, Spurrier, dude, they were stacked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nothing should be a bye week. I mean, we got beat by Georgia State for God's sake. That- <laughs> <laughs> week one bye. I, I do agree with that. There he goes. Woo. Now we can roll to uh, Rebels. Yeah, uh, week seven, Ole Miss. All-time record there uh, is in favor of Tennessee, 44-19-1. Uh, used to be a big yearly game there. Uh, I don't think, you know, that holds any weight to this. You know, you can you can throw that record out the window. Kiffin's first trip back to Neyland as a head coach. Man, that game scares me. This Ball game scares me. 550. No, not that much. But I do think Tennessee stays undefeated and does win this game. I think, again, you have to think about where I'm coming from. We're set. We're at this point. We're six and zero, in my opinion. Joe Milton obviously has to be doing something spectacular for us to be six and zero. So he's coming off probably 
a game where he really didn't have to play against USC. Like, he probably played the first half and we, we kicked their ass and then we're done. Lane Kiffin, historically, likes to joke around way too damn much. I think he's going to take Hypo as a joke and then we're going to kick his ass. That's just my opinion. I'd love to hear yours. I don't think that because uh, Levy, their offensive coordinator, knows Heupel too well. Um, yeah. That was that was the big rumor when we first got Heupel was that he was going to pull Levy from Ole Miss. It didn't happen. Um, I I think Lane Kiffin's going to take that game to heart coming back to Knoxville, and I think Levy is also going to take it to heart going up against his buddy Josh. I saw a graphic um, of them head-to-head while he was at Florida Atlantic. And you can make a case that probably UCF had better athletes than than, uh, than Florida Atlantic. But Hopple owned Kiffin head-to-head in every offensive category um, head-to-head. I think this one's going to be a diff- – y'all had a bold prediction just a minute ago. This is going to be an extremely high-scoring game. I got 55-45 to Ole Miss. Ooh. I've got I I that score not, again. 55-45. With uh this at all. I think that Kiffin's gonna get too cocky coming I think he's gonna get cocky as fuck. And I think he's gonna come in there and it's gonna be a shootout on offense. But I think Heifel in the end's gonna do like something bold or just outsmart him just a tad. And I think we're gonna win it. I agree with Lowe. On that one, um, I feel like we're going to be 7-0 after that game. If if you're watching this, Let's take go. the over unless unless it is 120. That's the same type of over. But if, if it's under that, please take the over. It's going to be a fun game to watch. It's arguably going to be the most fun game of the year. There's going to be a lot of scoring on both sides. And I feel good. I, too, agree with he Kevin's going to come back and he's going to kind of take this as like a, Oh, they want me here so bad, blah, blah type thing that he's going to kind of overthink it almost. And like she said, I, I think hype's going to pull something out of his ass in the last few minutes and oh, yeah. he's going to get us rolling. Oh yeah. 7-0, oh, baby. Hell I got, yeah. I got Matt Corral as our Heisman trophy winner. This year, I, I think he's going to tear that. I, I agree. Tear I, I feel like he's going to be very good. I got yeah. Joe Milton. Who's with me? <laughs> <laughs> hey, his odds are 20,000 on FanDuel. This, so. this side of the pod is like the 15 and 0 side. This is, this is too much. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm not, too I'm much. not yeah. a 15 and 0 national champion person. No, but. I I do have like three losses on the way. Oh, Don't yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got what? Like a, the Tampa like Bay Bucks? Like a 20. <laughs> Tom Brady himself reincarnated yeah. on the field. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like the 2016 year when we lost to Vandy after all those, oh, all those wins. Don't get me. Who do you got us? Shoot yourself in the head. Who do you got us losing to? Uh, South Alabama? No, uh, okay. I have us losing to Alabama, Georgia. Maybe yeah. just two losses. That's probably what it is. Yeah, I did tweet something that we're going 10 and 2. That's what I did tweet. I'm going to stick to uh, that. I did at least pick. I did pick a loss to Pitt earlier. After that was my controversial. So I'm not on the undefeated train at this point. After <laughs> after week seven, I I've got us five and two. I've got uh, I think Old Miss and Florida. 
which is so impressive if you really think about what we have flat from last year. It's still probably an orange glasses tag. Hell, hey, those are the best ones, man. You know, you know how excited I am to get my heart broken against this football season. I'm so ready. All right, week eight, we got Alabama. No team on earth has beaten Alabama more than Tennessee at 38 wins. That's a stat I always like to bring up. And usually, usually if you hit somebody with that stat, they'll say, "Well, yeah, you guys play them every year." Well, yeah, so do eight other teams, and and nobody's ever beat them. Auburn plays them every year too, and uh, there's still a couple wins behind us. Um, but that aside, I think the best game plan for the Vols week eight uh, going down to Tuscaloosa is just to come out of that game healthy, right? Like yeah, I mean, um, yeah. Got, someone got, earlier, sorry, someone earlier told me that I have the orange blinders on. I put them on so everyone could see that. I'm gonna go ahead and take them off for this one. No orange blinders involved. I wish that I could say we're going to win that game, but we're not. I yeah. mean, plain and simple, it's it's not going to happen. We One thing that Tennessee has done since, what, 05, I think, we haven't beat them. And I, I don't care if we've got the most explosive offense in the country. We're not going to be able to compete whenever they have five stars at every single position and one guy goes down for them. Oh, yeah, like last year, Jalen Waddle went down. What did they do? They played another five-star in his place. I mean, it is what it is, and that's what happens when you have the best coach in college football history. You you can't beat him unless you're something special. But I, I just don't see it happening in year one. Usually, I used to – Go ahead. Usually going into the Alabama game, I always have that fear of like like we've talked about with uh, us going to Gainesville, then playing Missouri, Alabama, or Florida playing Alabama, and then playing us. Um, I always have the fear of the Alabama game, you know, the Bama hangover, one loss turned into two. We actually do have the bye week this year after Alabama. But, man, when when you go up against the number one team in the country, you might come out of there with some season injury, season-ending injuries. Um, you know, if, if, if we're, if it's a close game at halftime, go for it. I just, I have a, I have a worry there. You know, I think, I think that could be a game where you play the, the, the third string and just hope to come out of there healthy. Um, I used to have this thing when it comes to Alabama, whenever they, whenever they replaced a longtime starter at QB, I used to have this thing in the back of my head that maybe it's a new guy. He won't fit right. Like after, after Greg McElroy, I think I can't remember the order of them, but maybe AJ McCarron. And then it was like Jacob Coker. Once we got to, to like Jacob Coker and I always thought we had a chance because I always thought Coker was trash, but I feel like my grandmother could play QB for Alabama. So I got rid of that mindset very quickly when all these guys started still plug it's a plug and play they didn't put anybody in there and play i thought uh, mike jones would be trash me too i thought he was gonna be awful um so uh one thing that bothers me a little bit about hopple's offense is the is the hurry up and it's apparently it's like super fast like it's like 30 seconds on the on the play clock i don't believe that is a good strategy when you are playing a team that's bigger and faster and more depth than you. I don't this could get this could get out of hand pretty quickly. Um I, I don't like that game plan if you're if you're fast and, and you got a shitty defense as it is. 
and and on paper Tennessee might struggle in that department, but this this might be a bloodbath by halftime. You uh, offer up as an alternative. I would I would always play Alabama in a in a try to eat the clock up, try to run the ball. If you can get, you can't turn the ball over. I'm not, that's that's typical cliche football talk, but um, you you have to. I feel like to be Alabama. You have to have a mobile QB. Auburn Auburn has always had a mobile QB, and when they have beaten them, they've had a guy who can move around. Milton. So we'll see. But you got to have a mobile QB. I feel like you got to eat the clock up and you got to run the football. You look at I two. Oh, I, I wanted to follow up on. I don't want. I, obviously, I think we're going to lose to Bama, but I don't want them to go in like terrified. Like I want them to play football. You know, go in and execute a game plan and, you know, just evaluate how they do. But I don't want them to go in and be like, all right, well, let's just play like ass. We know we're going to get beat. I don't want a team like that. That's my team. I agree. Um, The big thing with that one is we have to be the ones in control of the clock. We, I'm a big fan of the high paced, high powered offense, but against Bama, they're going to be ready. Yeah. We, we have to control the clock on our own time, and I think that's going to be a big game for Tion Evans. Again, I don't think we're going to win, but I think that's yeah. going to be a big Tion Evans game. Two, yeah. games, two games under the, the Pruitt era that I really feel like the whole run the ball, run the clock thing was um, the Arkansas game that we ended up losing. But, man, we, we ate that whole first half, and, and we're up, I think we were up 10. The other one is two years ago at Bama when, you know, if, if JG hands it off to Crouch, it's a it's a one-score game in the fourth quarter. Um, so I, I agree with that. I, I think when you play Bama, you got to eat the clock because it, it, the, the best defense against Bama is to not let them be on offense. I mean, isn't that going to be the problem this year, though, with this offense? Which they, you hear about how fast he is. So, I mean, is not going to change his offense for that to con- – Control the clock, as we like to say. I think that could be the big question. That that could be the which, and it's year one. You know, there'll be some learning to do. But if he goes his entire tenure like that, which you know, you bring in some five stars, you can make it work. But that could be the the ultimate downfall of of Heupel is you know how how well does that offense work at an SEC level, and how much are you willing to change it? I mean, we saw what Michael did with his offense at Missouri. He took one of the – I don't know if batter is a word, but one of the more worse, I guess you could say, (laughs) offenses in the country and turned them into a high-powered one while he was at Mizzou. And, I mean, I'm not saying that he's just going to come in and be God and erase all of our past pitfalls. But there, there will be a lot of change in a good way. I got a, I got a bold with with our gotta, offense being super high powered and everything. I don't care if our defense gives up forty nine so long that our offense scores fifty every game. I got, I got a bold prediction for this game. Um, ten, uh, Alabama's defense the last few years is not the the old school hold teams under you know ten or fourteen. Uh, Ole Miss put what forty something on them last year. This is yeah. not—I don't know if this is a hot take or not. But I think Tennessee can put thirty-five on them this year. But the bad thing about that is, 
if we score 35, Alabama's scoring 55. Mm. So, hey, so but I, I take that for 51 to three or whatever else got awful scores exactly. we have. I mean, that's I'd, a win. Mentally. I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather mm. lose, lose by 20 and put up 30 than lose by 50 and put up three for sure. Oh, yeah. Huge win in that department. Yeah, I mean, I, if we get beat, that's fine. I just don't want my ass beat this year. <laughs> yeah, we know I, we I all going to complete a slant against them. You know what? We will complete a slant against them. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we had talked about it earlier about the uh, culture that we had here when we were letting players start that didn't practice. I'm hoping Henry T getting the start. He didn't go through Tennessee spring. He didn't go through Bama spring. And uh, so, maybe that don't come uh, hurt Bama any this year. But them linebackers, they're going to transfer somewhere. That's going to upset them. Yeah. So, that's my big hope with the Alabama thing. I, too, hope Henry T starts against us because we've seen firsthand he cannot cannot cover a slant. And believe it or not, at Bama, you have to cover slants. So uh, I'm pretty anxious to see that. All right. Anybody got anything else on Alabama before we move forward? All done with Bama. All right. Week nine of the SC season, Tennessee has a bye week. What's everybody's prediction up until this point? I've got them. Bye week by 21. <laughs> I've, uh, I've got them. <laughs> I personally have them sitting five and three. Um, if you if you win both the toss up games, you're sitting six and two. I I think you're taking the loss to Florida and Georgia no matter what. Um, I don't I don't think you're going to be any better than six and two. Five and three is what I have them, and that might be a push. Um, if you but I, you know even if you split um, or even if you lose both the Ole Miss and uh, Missouri, you're sitting. What four and four? That's that's still got to be a win. You only need two more wins to get to bowl eligibility, and you've got Vanderbilt and South Alabama sitting on the schedule. So what what do you guys got at the bye week? I, I think uh, I think if Hopple is at three and five, that's a disaster. If yep. he's at, I think four and four is the floor in the first eight games. Yeah. Um, anything else is gravy. Um, if he's if he's six and two, yeah. that 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 can that's good. That's that's very good. We're putting in and, more lights. Uh, yeah, but I'm good with uh, five and three would be ideal. I think five three. and three would be. I think I, th- at three and five, we're burning couches. Yeah, yeah, that's a disaster. That means you're you're losing. That means you're losing to either South Carolina and Missouri, probably. Yeah. One of those. Yeah, your wins That's would a, be Bowling Green, Tennessee Tech, and then South Carolina. Well, That's here a, I am yeah. back again with the Orange Blinders. As I said, we're seven and one. The one loss we have is Bama. I I hope I'm right. God knows if I will be. But Orange Blinders on, and even Orange Blinders off. Seven and one, baby. I hope I, you're, I hope you're I, right too. I, I, think, I think at the absolute worst, we're looking at. I don't know. I, I think at the absolute worst, we're looking at five and three. 
I hate to be wild, but I agree. I mean, and that's shocking because we won three games last year, and I hate to be like, okay, at eight games, the the floor is five and three, but I kind of believe it just because the whole culture is different. The offense is going to be super hot. I'm excited to watch it. So five and three, like, I'm stoked with that. It's realistic. And, I mean, also our defense, we're running a different scheme this year. I feel yeah. like that's going to fit our guys better. Yeah. What if what if we're – okay, this is just fantasy land. But what if we're – what if we're what if we're seven and one? Woo! We're coming off a of bye week. You know that bye week's gonna be hot amongst the fan base. What if we shit the bed against Kentucky? And we're, <laughs> we're not, that's, that's not gonna <laughs> happen. We're, we are not losing to Kentucky ever again. <laughs> These I guys from last year, it. they remember that. They're not gonna go down like that again. That that those no. who those two it? weeks, those two Everyone weeks off. They all they're seven and one. Pick that. I picked that. I don't know. I just felt it. I picked it. I felt like what we were going to do is go through a hot streak in the middle of the season, burn out at Alabama, might get – I don't – want. obviously I don't want an injury, but we might have an injury at Alabama, go into Kentucky, and then lose to Georgia, and then turn it around at the back end. That was my whole prediction. I think if we're sitting three and five at the bye week, people are going to go back to this pod. They are going to screen <laughs> record stuff that's been said, and it's going to be blasted everywhere. Oh, yeah. They're going to castrate me, you, and everyone else. <laughs> yes, let me, I, let me, I, I'm definitely going to castrate y'all for saying it. Let me ask y'all something. I'm, I'm not – I haven't kept up with personnel in a long time. I've been kind of checked out. But are we – does anybody know if we're starting a bunch of freshmen? Is our starting lineup pretty filled? I don't think so. Okay. No. Okay. That, 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 one freshman starting. Okay. That makes me feel a little bit better. So. I was going to say, if we're littered with freshmen, I think um, we're, we're going to have to go through some growing pains. If we're starting freshmen anywhere, I think it's probably tied in. Okay. Yeah. That's about it. You think? The transfer killed us, but we also yeah. did very well get had to work with. The incoming transfers, I'm very happy with. Oh, yeah. Okay. That, that makes me feel better. I was going to say, if we're littered with freshmen, then we're going to have to go through some growing pains. And But but if we're not, then then that makes me feel a little bit better about it. The, the, I mean, the offense, man, you've got weapons, wide receivers, offensive line, uh, Darnell Wright, Cade Mays. Milton. Uh, I mean, <laughs> running backs galore. I think we're six. Quarterbacks to choose from. The I think we're six deep at wide receiver. I think we're at least six deep at wide receiver. Cool. cool. I I forgot that Ramel Keaton even existed. So he's there too. He has experience and he also has hands of a brick wall, but he does have experience. So he is there if if anyone else forgot about him. Hey, Tillman's the wide receiver that's need. Keep an eye on. He's going to be really good too. I think he will as well. I that, agree. That touchdown catch he had against Texas A and M last year. Dude, I hope he picks up right there. That was that was he laid he laid it all out. For sure. So uh, we I can't can. name you. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Because I was going to move. I on. was going to say, I, like I just a minute ago, I said I've been checked out. I don't think I can name. I can't name three players on defense besides maybe Alante Taylor and. <laughs> that's about it. I've just been so checked out. There's been so much 
so much turnover as far as the personnel. Um, I'm gonna have to learn these these guys, but um, I, hope, I mean, I, don't I, hope, know. I hope they're good enough that you want to learn them. Yeah, yeah. true, true story. Anybody else got anything on the bye week before we move forward? Just nurse the injuries if we have them and build on top of that. If you need to make changes, that's the time that you make some changes. Staff I got a hot I got a hot take uh question for y'all. Uh bye week, do you see a QB change? No. No QB, no, you're no. sticking with Milton's gonna start every game. Milton. I ride with Milton. Okay. Oh, I don't no. think I I'm don't, with Milton there's an injury problem. I don't okay. think I don't think Milton, like, if there's a problem, I don't think Milton starts every game. I think you make the change before the bye week. Would y'all take, if I gave y'all, if I gave y'all the over-under at, at, let's see, there's 12 games. If I gave y'all the over-under at 10, he starts over or under 10 games, Milton? I think as of right now, he starts over, but also – like we said earlier, I think that Pitt is such a big game that it really depends on how he does there and then how he does against Florida. Those are the two games that I will watch the most. I'm taking under, I think. Under? I think yeah. if he starts 10, he's going to start them all. I think yeah. I think Keipel, you know, Keipel, yeah, you know, he's known these guys all summer, whatever. He doesn't have, like, a real close – like, he's not – really stuck on a particular quarterback, I don't think. I, you, know, you know, I think if we go out and we shit the bed offensively against one particular opponent within the first three or four games, he's going to make the, the switch as soon as he can. Well, the other thing is he has opportunity early on to even test a couple other quarterbacks, and if then you throw that into the mix, you know, we have some easy games early. He may test a couple other guys just to see a starter, and then that may put him under 10. Here's my question for y'all. Game one against Bowling Green, do y'all think we see one quarterback? Do you think we see two, or do you think we see all three of them? We need to see all three. Regardless, we need to see all three. Yeah. I I agree with that. I don't know what his get his mindset is. I think we'll see too. I don't know. I guess, why. It, I guess it also depends on how the game goes. If it's if we're effing around and it's twenty four to seventeen, you'll see. You'll probably see Milton all time. <laughs> do not do not wish your Georgia State evil on us. I'm just okay. I'm just saying. I've been I've seen this movie a thousand times. I'm just saying. Have uh, we all have. It's, it's just part of a fantasy we don't, we live in. <laughs> we, we just don't blow people out. I'm just saying. We just don't happen. That is true. Have y'all, have y'all seen what uh, Michigan fans complain about Milton? It's the same thing we complain about with JG. He, he has one read, he stares receivers down, and he overthrows. And that freaks me out with Milton, to be honest. It does with me, too, but you weren't in here earlier – whenever I was saying kind of the same yeah. things. Um, what has what Harbaugh done with any quarterback since he's been at Michigan? He's had Not some pretty thing. solid ones. There, there hasn't been anyone that's just been over-the-top good. I, that's just where I stand on it. I don't think that he's tapped his full potential. I agree. Shea Patterson was as good as Matt Corral at Ole Miss, yes. and he didn't do shit 
at Michigan. I was I was nah. gonna bring I was gonna bring up Shea Patterson. Um all right. Uh let's move forward. Gonna have to try and pick it up through these last couple of weeks. Week 10, uh balls are off to Kentucky. Got a big, big loss last season to avenge where uh Kentucky won in Knoxville for the first time since 1984. JG threw three picks. He's not in Knoxville anymore. Um, Kentucky finished the year five and six, quarter to bowl win over NC State. Um, you know, I think I think Mark Stoops and his staff has been one of the better staffs in Kentucky, but I just don't think they can repeat against us. I mean, I I I don't know a Kentucky staff that's re- repeated against the Vols. Um, and even even looking at last season, Kentucky last season, they dwindled down the stretch. You know, um, uh, they finished five and six, but uh, I think the last five they were two and three. They only had they only won two of their last five, and it wasn't a tough five game stretch. So they were kind of dwindling there towards the end. They the they picked up the bowl win against NC State, I think, by a point. Um, Kentucky has that game. Kentucky favored. Kentucky has that game. ESPN has Kentucky favored in that game, 58%. Another toss-up game. I, I think we pull it out. I don't – like I said, I would have to go back and look, but that's the only time they've beat us in Knoxville since 1984. I don't think this is going to be the first staff in 50 years to repeat against Tennessee. One thing we always do with the exception of last year and the exception of – was it Butcher Dooley? that loss I think it was Dooley that lost to them that ended the 28 game winning streak um one thing we always do is beat the shit out of Kentucky it's just what we do we send them back to the coal mines and we let them cry there are too many players that we have on this roster from last year that remember how embarrassed we were after that game and how our fan base was calling the players out straight up saying that y'all quit on us I mean I will say a lot of that is JG's fault but also, I mean, the other quarterbacks we put in, they did the same thing. I mean, yeah, Kentucky, they're Kentucky. But I think we have too many players that remember how that went down last year and how our fan base reacted. It's not going to happen again. We're going to win. I'm going to go against my own uh, thought process here. Uh, I need a pair of your orange glasses, by the way, for this. Uh, so, originally, I said – I broke this schedule down by pairs. I, I gave the Missouri the win. I gave Kentucky a loss. I didn't realize the bye week was before the Kentucky game. Um, I, I think after Alabama, we'll heal up, be fine. We're, we'll blow we'll blow Kentucky out up there. Exactly. We'll, we'll, we're going to blow them out. I'm with I did not realize that the bye game came after. I thought we just rolled out out of Alabama, went straight to Kentucky. So I'm making a switch on that too. I think we'll be Kentucky. Like it. All right. Week eleven. This is this is the big week I want to hammer. UGA week. Um, I don't know why. I'm feeling good about this matchup this year. This is this is this is my orange glasses moment. You and Andy, and you and Andy. It's uh, <laughs> all pigs. Just kidding. It's homecoming. It's the first time since the '80s Tennessee scheduled an SEC opponent for homecoming. Last time, uh, it was Auburn in the '80s. They beat us 59 to 20. Don't think it's going to happen like that this year. Um, 
I really like that game being moved back to November, which, you know, and it's always been Florida, Georgia, Alabama, that right at the beginning of the season, maybe one small game in between. I really like Georgia being moved to November. Um, Georgia's going to be coming to Knoxville, riding a four-game win streak over the Vols, which still only puts them up two games in the all-time series, 25 to 23. Um, you know, we've always hung tough with Georgia. But out of the big the big three, Florida, Alabama, and Georgia, I, I, I think this is the one we have the best shot at. I know some of you guys have said uh, already in here that you got us beating Florida. I've got us losing to Florida, but I've got us playing Georgia tough at the end of the year. Wow. Um, I think, you know, <laughs> I think I think Knoxville come I think uh I think Georgia comes to Knoxville running like a well-oiled machine, but you have to hope that, you know, our offense under Hypo will be doing just the same. You've got uh Georgia has only won in Knoxville 12 times in 120 years. So, I'm not saying, you know, we're going to beat them down by 30 points, but if we can turn that into a shootout, I take Hypo's offense over what Georgia's running. I, I think that from what I have seen, like injury report wise, they've had a pretty substantial amount of injuries to key players in this offseason. And, you know, maybe they'll turn that around. But I think Georgia is take JT Daniels out of the picture. I think it is a winnable game. But I also know that for whatever reason, we do not play Georgia well, typically. I mean, last year, for example, like we were leading at halftime with the worst quarterback that I've ever seen throw a ball, but we came out in the second half and we laid an egg and that scares me a little bit. And I I don't know. I feel like Georgia's going to beat us, unfortunately, but you never know. They are a couple key injuries away from being pretty in the middle. I, I'm not sold on their QB. The, is he the, he's, he's the USC transfer, right? Yes. I, I, I think he's garbage. <laughs> I, 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 just, I don't think he's that great. Uh, Georgia shits the bed usually late in the season. Um, Tennessee has this weird thing about playing hard against Georgia in Knoxville. Obviously not the last, let's see, one – Two times, uh, 43 to 14, uh, 41 to nothing. That was Butch Jones's last year. That was uh, dormant, I think. Yeah. <laughs> in, in 2015, that was the Dobbs uh, gray jerseys game when we were down three touchdowns. Mark Rick's final year. We come back and won. Um, we won't beat them, but we'll, it'll be like a, it'll be like a 31 28 type, type game. I think we'll stay close with them. Respectable. That's how I feel as well. After last season, like hearing all of this, I'm just already like over the moon. They were just so low last year. It's so sick. I, I'm like, I just this is exciting to me. If we're gonna put up, if we're gonna put up close games like that, that's a huge move in the right direction. Huge. You cannot argue with that. That that late in the season, I think it's a big put up or shut up. Like by by that point. You've had all these games to get this offense clicking. If it's not clicking by then, it's not going to. We don't have we don't have the right guys. We don't have something going on right with the coaching staff. 
if it's not clicking by week 11 with Georgia in town, it's not going to click. Yeah. Anybody uh, got anything else on Georgia they, there? They, they do have – this kind of is good and bad at the same time. They do have Florida two weeks before us. Now, the bad part of that is they have Missouri in between Florida and us. Um, so maybe Missouri's playing tough. Yeah, I wish it was in Missouri, but it looks like it's in Georgia. Maybe Florida can beat up, beat them up a little bit. Maybe Missouri can can stay with them and get them out of their head a little bit. Maybe, maybe the wrong Georgia team can show up. I mean, they did lose to South Carolina when everyone thought that they were just going to be. That's what I was thinking about. That thing. So you never. I remember that. Guys, I hate to do it, but I think we're going to have to take another cut. Anybody? Uh, y'all getting ready to sleep? We got. Well, there's just South South Alabama and Bandy left. I know we're we're at four minutes, so we got to we've got. I two think minutes. we can cover that. Just well, I mean, well, in my opinion, it's all wins. <laughs> yeah, it's all wins. I think six and six for me. Final final tally. All right, guys. Week twelve, South Alabama. Um, ESPN has it ninety three percent Tennessee win. I don't disagree with that at all. Um, I think on my prediction, I've got the Vols picking up their seventh seventh win, sitting seven and four. Uh, interesting stat about that game: you've got the uh, former quarterback from South Carolina, whose name I just completely lost. Anybody, I forgot it too. Anybody? Bentley? Jake Bentley. Jake okay. Bentley from how South. Does he, how does he still have eligibility? <laughs> I've said the same thing about JG for the last four <laughs> years. Um, if South Carolina, South Alabama, if South Alabama was to pull the miracle upset, um, Jake Bentley would be the fourth quarterback all time, the third in not so recent years to beat Tennessee with two different schools. Um, more recently, you had Felipe Franks and, and Will Greer doing that. Jake Bentley could become the fourth. I don't think so, obviously. I think we win that game. That game should be homecoming. I don't think there's any reason uh, homecoming couldn't be pushed back one more week other than the fact that Tennessee's trying to pack the house against Georgia. Um, any Anything you guys want to talk about there with South Alabama week 12? Can you – a trivia question. Can you name the other quarterback that beat Tennessee? It's no. funny how all the – all these guys have been in the past like 10 years, but there's another QB that beat us at two different schools. Um, was Trevor Knight. Trevor Knight. Oh, that's yeah. Yeah. That yeah, was also recent. in Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a weird stat. Pretty sad, huh? Uh, it is. Cause I, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to say the fourth, fourth QB was like, Way back when, but no, I didn't realize they were all for that recent. Yeah. Wow. Well, welcome, welcome to being a Tennessee fan. Right. Yep. Always. Um, I really don't have much to say about it. I mean, I think it's a super, I mean, pretty easy win. I, I feel like they're going to have it more together and not make the same dumb mistakes at this point. I hope to God that they don't make the same dumb mistakes at the end of the season, you know. So I'm I'm rolling confident, no worries at all. So South Alabama, they've got they've got Jake Bentley. They also have Major Applewhite, 
uh, running the offense there. Um, that that game has a feel for me. Like, do you remember the Jeremy Pruitt um, first year homecoming against Charlotte? I think we won that game fourteen to seven. Yes. I don't. Duh. I don't. I don't think it'll be a low scoring like that game. But I could see, you know, if it's late in the year, we're tired. I could see South Alabama coming in, putting, you know, 24, 28 points on the board, and we win that game, you know, 35, 28. And it it feels like that, like it felt after that Charlotte game, um, 14 to 7 back in, I don't know, 2018. But like I said, I, th- I think it's a win. I, I don't, I, you know, but this, that game, this that is, game scares this- me. This is one of those games that you hope is like at noon. Like, I hate noon kickoffs, but this is one of those games you hope is at noon so you can just go home and, and see the rest of the big games. I don't know the schedule for that day, but I'm sure there's big there's a big game at 3.30 and probably at night. Yeah. You just want to go, get drunk a little bit, do your thing, get get to the crib, and uh, watch the bigger games throughout the day. I think I think if that game's week one, if that game's the bowling, the bowling green game, uh, it would almost Georgia State scare me. Yeah, it was me too. Because <laughs> uh, if you, if you really dig into that South Alabama team, that's a good team, especially with uh, Jake Bentley coming in there and then picking up Major Major Applewhite. But um, yeah, I think it's a win. Moving on, Week Thirteen, Tennessee Vandy. Vandy hasn't recorded an SEC win in almost two years. Their last SEC win was Missouri, October 19, 2019. Clark Lee hasn't taken the field with the Commodores, but from what I've heard out of Nashville, I think he's the best they've had. I always in a, in a while. Let me finish that. Um, I always say, or I have been saying, Clark Lee's the best they've had since James Franklin. Um, I forget how long the Derek Mason tenure is or was. Um, Bandy kept Derek Mason way longer than they should have. For what reason, I don't know why. But I think Clark Lee will will be better than Derek Mason. I think he'll be the best they've had since James Franklin because, for some reason, Derek Mason was the only coach in between those years. Um, Clark Lee currently has Vanderbilt sitting in the top 25 in recruiting. That won't do anything for them this fall, but I, I think that's another uh, stepping stone for – for how good of a coach I think he he probably is, um, I, and and he's not even a guy I know that much about. But I feel like for where he has Vandy sitting and some of the things I've heard coming at from you know just things he's done in the spring and summer and fall, um, he's got to he's got to be a good coach. But you know, they, uh, little brother is what little brother is. We're going to beat Vandy. Um, yeah, more words that I have. This is our state gonna be a dub not it not anything to worry about I mean like last year with the worst team ever we beat them pretty handily much better gonna be good let let me bring this to y'all's attention so I feel like Vanderbilt's one of those games where um you usually have to see where Tennessee is mentally towards the end of a coach's tenure they're checked out they're ready to go to the house they struggle against Vandy. So if we're if I'm looking at the schedule, let's say, okay, you're gonna lose to Bama and Georgia. 
Let's 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 throw another loss in there for just for kicks and giggles. So Kentucky, and then you got your South Alabama. If they're if they're rolling into Vanderbilt, losing three out of five, where where would their would their mentality be? Well, I'm ready to go home, or or like where are you at? Where are they at mentally? Now, if we're rolling, we're going to kill Vandy. We'll put fifty on them. But like it's always like where is Tennessee at in late November? That's that's my biggest. That's my now. I I will pick them to blow them out. That's I'm not saying we won't or nothing, but I'm just saying where is Tennessee mentally by by the time we get to the end of November? I think that's the biggest question in this first year team title is is he going to rally the troops every week and make it a week to week thing? I one of the things that's been over the past several years is that. They don't all group and look at week to week. They say they look at week to week, but I feel like they never put it all together week to week. And it is a week to week thing. We can all get all hyped up all day. I'm looking at my predictions now. I'm looking at three or four losses thinking that I'm insane. But the reality is it is a week to week thing with them. And I get what you're saying about the mindset, but that, I mean, I really think that this team, their attitude, just looking at them, how they're playing, I mean, even if even if they lost every game this year, they're losing together. The mentality was there. I feel like they're playing cohesively. In a group. I feel like it's uh, different. I feel like they're a different team. I feel like they aren't going to have the mental issues, the ups and downs that we have seen in the past. That's my take on it. Anybody else got anything on uh, Vanderbilt before we go to season conclusions? Oh, I'm just going to remind them to go to hell. So <laughs> that's all I have. <laughs> we don't give a damn about the whole state of, oh, wait. <laughs> that was a, that's a dead Billy thing. Right? On that one. All right. So, just kind of in conclusion, I I personally I've got the Vols finishing eight and four. Um, you know that that sounds crazy coming to me coming out of my mouth. Uh, it doesn't sound as crazy to me as as somebody earlier saying we're going to start seven and zero. But I've got them I've got them eight and four at the end of the season. Realistically, I think six and six or above is is a win for Josh Heupel in his first year. Um, for me personally, I think you got to figure you got what I consider five easy wins. You got Bowling Green, Tennessee Tech, South Alabama, Bandy, South Carolina. If you lose one of those five, there's trouble. Yeah. I think that's five easy wins. Then you look at the four toss up games Kentucky, Pittsburgh, Missouri, Ole Miss. So if you win two of those toss up games, uh, you're sitting at seven wins already. So. Uh, yeah, how did I talk myself into eight and four? It's really not that hard if you really look at the schedule. This this schedule is a is a gravy schedule. You got five easy wins. You pick up your two toss ups, at least two toss ups. You're sitting at seven wins. You pick up all four toss up games. Look out now. Orange blinders on. Uh oh, here we go. Orange blinders on. <laughs> And our two losses are Bama and Georgia. Orange blinders off, being 100% realistic. I think our floor is seven wins. I think our floor is seven and five. I think we have a schedule that favors us. 
And I think we have a coaching staff that for once in years is set on development, 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 and not set on, oh, we'll just kind of preach to these guys on the sidelines and ignore them because, oh, this five-star is kind of looking at us. That's that's where I think our past coaches have failed us, that they rely more on recruiting for the next year instead of focusing on what they have in front of them. And that's um, just to touch on something you just said, not not really like everything you just said, but you said something there that struck a chord in my mind from the last coaching staff. Um, that last game that we won, I know Texas, Texas A&M ended up being the last game last year, but the last game that we won, that Bandy game, we had a, a three or a four-star tied in that might have been a Tennessee lead lean and then we came out against Vandy, and the first touchdown was to a tight end, and we hadn't used tight ends all year. And it really just felt like they were they were playing calls to try to bring in uh, – uh, what, what, anybody remember that kid's name, Hudson? Hudson Wolf. Hudson Wolf. That Ole Miss guy now. It, it really felt like suddenly because we wanted Hudson Wolf, we're, we're calling plays to tight ends. I don't want to see that style of offense. I want us to – to call plays to our playmakers because they're our playmakers. Agree. I'm going to jump in real quick because my phone is about to die. Uh-oh. Okay, I'm going to start with my top because I had originally picked this to go eight and four, but I flipped at the Florida game with Maddie, so my top tier was nine and three realistically seven and five but at six wins I consider that a huge win for this first year team with Heifel I consider that massive um bowl game eligible you know we only won three games last year he has a whole new on whole new team but anything below six be outraged I don't know if that's like know unrealistic but anything below six wins I will be pissed that's my final take everything the if, if you follow the ESPN matchup predictor game, week by week they've got us going five and seven um four of the seven losses they have um fall in like the 10 percent toss-up margin so you know this team should easily go six and six yeah one hundred percent. With me, I, I had a I had a TikTok prediction about a month ago, and I mentioned how if if Hopple if Hopple goes four and eight, I feel like that's a complete disaster in year one. Complete disaster. It, it, you can't go four and eight. If you want to make a case for five and seven, and if you want to make a case for seven and five, I'm cool with it. All cool. I got them at six and six somehow. Um, a couple things I, I want to run through here real quick that I want to see. Um, so this is how low our expectations are. So out of the big three, you got Bama, Florida, and Georgia. All I'm asking is to give me one close game out of those three. Give, give me a seven-point loss, or if you want to upset them, I mean, go ahead. But uh, give me give me a seven-point game out of those big three. Um Hopple's bread and butter is offense and, and QBs. Uh, I want to see the QB play gets get better as the year goes on. If 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 Milton comes out and kind of struggles in Bowling Green, uh, I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to push the panic button. 
I do want to see him elevate and elevate and elevate and get better each week, unlike the last administration here. And um, I want to see Hopple outcoach other coaches. We haven't seen that in a long time either. I don't even think we got to see that much when Butch was here. Butch basically just won off the off Josh Dobbs. I mean, um, and Hopple Hopple can outcoach other coaches and still lose because the talent might be different. But I want to see Hopple elevate guys that that maybe aren't the 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 top talent, the the five stars and the four stars. Take a three star. And let's see him play as a four or five star. That's what I want to see. Five star hearts. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. Just <laughs> throwing that out there. Brent, what you got? What you got the balls going? Uh, well, if I'm picking with my heart, I'm going to ask you why did we leave off the last three games? We got an SEC championship and the two playoffs. Oh. <laughs> okay, now now let's be realistic here. It's not fifteen and zero, but uh, I think realistically, uh, eight and four is what we're going to go. Uh, we heard talk about uh, our quarterback issues, and uh, one thing that. Uh, you know, we was talking about early on in the podcast is sitting back there, running back instead of stepping up in the pocket and just simply getting rid of the ball. Well, with Josh Heupel, he sat there and taken live bullets. He knows not to get hit, and I think he'll teach his quarterbacks to get rid of that ball, and that's going to help us down the line. And um, one thing on the season outlook, you know, uh, our offense has become something where the, the other team scores upon it, whether it's turnovers, interceptions. Uh, it wasn't very offensive at all. We got to get back to being offensive and something to be feared of. And uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward for another season and uh, go Vols. That's something uh, like what you just said there. I'll, I'll, something I'll do between now and the next pod. I want to see how many of our offensive drives ended in us scoring a touchdown versus how many of our offensive drives ended in the other team scoring a touchdown. Because I don't know for the season in whole, but that Kentucky loss last year, I guarantee you our offensive drives ended in them scoring more than it did us scoring. Yeah. Correct. The two things that I want to see from our team this year, regardless of – win total, consistent quarterback play, regardless of who that may be. And please, for the love of God, cover a slant. As we've said, (laughs) I can't do this again. I just want to see us have some fun. Like, if if we go five and seven and I feel like everybody on the team's had fun, I'm cool with it. You know? It's good for me. Because a couple years of that, you'll get where you want to be. I just Uh, – Closing, like, I'm about to have to jump off my phones at, like, a percent. But in closing, for me, I just – I also agree with that. I want to see fun, and I'm super stoked to see this offense play because we haven't had a team like that in years. You know, we have always been defensively minded for the past several years, and it hasn't worked. So this is going to be different. You can't do the same thing over and over and expect different results. 
So I'm excited to just see the offense go out there and do something. I hope they take risks. That's my one thing. We have nothing to lose. Take risks and have fun. I will be ecstatic with that. That's my, that's my intake. Um, earlier I mentioned how Pruitt was, uh, Pruitt was Conzo ball and y'all are mentioned now how, you know, you'd love to have fun and, and it'd be okay to suck and have fun. Remember Donnie Tyndall's year right after Conzo? I think we won like 15 games, but this dude like would sling his jacket off and like, and be sweating and just, you know, talk crap. And our players would talk crap. And we won like 15 games. We won like 12 to 15 games. Like Donnie Tyndall's year, I would love to, to, um, to associate that with this year. Let's, let's go out there and talk crap and, and have some swagger back with us. If yeah. we go in, if we go five and seven or, or six and six, but we're getting wasted in the middle of Neyland while we're talking shit. Who cares? With like us, uh, <laughs> break new lots and fireworks. <laughs> I, uh, my last thing that I really want to um, see this fall is um, before the start of the fourth quarter, I want Friends in Low Places by Garth Brooks to play. Go. I want to keep that going. And, uh, that's that's about all I got. Anybody else got anything? We really also close? collectively vote to <laughs> say goodbye forever to Welcome to the Jungle. I never want to hear that song ever in my life again. Yeah, we gotta we gotta come up with something for third downs. I loved it. I miss it quite honestly. I do too. I do. I do miss it. Third for what got me fucking wild. It they was had like the best, and I never can. They had the best third down conversion rate on defense that year yeah. in the country. Yeah. Start a petition. I'll start it if y'all don't. But I want to see y'all before the game. So if if y'all are really tailgating, you're gonna be up up top G10. I want to meet everybody. So up top G10. I I want to meet everyone. I'll be at work till like five forty-five. Damn. uh, Yeah. But I would love to see everyone. So anybody listening to the pod, Spotify, YouTube, Apple, top of G10. At least the five of us will be here. I don't know. We lost like three or four people along the way of this pod. We'll tell them to come too. So, top of G10. Uh, we're going to head on out. This will be the end of the Megapod for tonight. Um, thanks for coming in, listening to, you know, we might end this season 0-12 and, and all this will be for naught, but, <laughs> but you had something to listen to at work this week. Yeah. So... With that being said, we're going to go out. Um, we just lost one. We had uh, sidelines. We had Adam on. We had Maddie on. Um, Maddie stayed to the end. We lost Adam somewhere in the middle. Sorry about that, guys. I think he was <laughs> think he was having technical difficulties. Uh, thanks to Down and Dirty for coming on. I think he ended up going to bed on us, guys. We have it is midnight. We have recorded this over like four hours. No lie. Uh, Lorraine, she stayed till the end. Her phone just died. Nope, she's right there. She's going out now. Leland, big thanks to Leland for coming on. And uh, Dr. Vall was in here for a segment. Uh, he had to leave. He had kids had some friends over. Um, but yeah, just big thanks for everybody that came on tonight. Uh, this was a this was a huge pod. Really. Really didn't think I'd get this many people on tonight, but we did. I think at one 
we I think we ended up with like nine people on tonight. The most we had on at one time was seven, but but um, it was it was truly a mega pod. So we look to have everybody back on. Maybe do a, another mega pod for for the bye week since there won't be a lot going on that week. But um, look for this pod to continue week to week throughout the series uh, throughout the season. Uh, maybe probably won't get all nine people on at once, but um, definitely look for the reviews and the previews this this fall. Thanks, guys. We're going to head on out.